Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey, hello, this is Cinebuds. I am 89's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today we are talking about the movie The Man Who Sold His Skin. What do you think? You're a, you're a genie? <laughs> Jeffrey Godefroy turns worthless objects into works that cost millions and millions of dollars just by signing them. You want my soul? The Man Who Sold His Skin is up for an Oscar for Best Foreign Film. It is a movie, the the titular man who sold his skin is a Syrian refugee who cannot travel throughout Europe because he is a refugee. And he meets a famous artist who then tattoos a visa on his back so that it will allow him to travel through Europe and to see people that he wants to see in a way um, that he can. It's up for best foreign film and it is our subject today. Christopher, what did you think about the man who sold his skin? I'll be. um, So when I first, when we first talked about doing this movie, I genuinely, I was just exhausted by options. Like there's just, there wasn't a lot of options. And I was like, I guess we could watch this. I don't know why I didn't really know much about it. I do love, I did love the title, but I was the title's like, great. I don't know so why. Good. I was just like, I had no interest uh-huh. to, to watch it or not watch it. I was just like, yeah, that's fine. I'm so delighted that I did actually make the effort to watch it because the story was so new to me, like the ideas in it were so new and interesting. Sure. The plot was so fast. I loved it. So I loved it. It's a, it's a very, very interesting and well-made movie. I agree that it is very interesting and that there, it gave me a lot to think about, which I always enjoy in a movie. I don't think that all of those things really worked. I mean, it's, it centers around this work of art that is on this man's back. And I think there's a key thing that the movie is missing with that relationship. And I wonder get- if I know what you mean, because I think I know what you mean. And yet I still disagree. So, <laughs> that's exciting. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you mean, but I know right. that I disagree with I you. I know I disagree Good with you fundamentally <laughs> as a person who's talking to me, but I can't wait to find just out. Know, just knowing you, I think yeah. I would disagree. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to find out what way I disagree with you this time. <laughs> I do agree that it is a Gorgeous movie. It's a really, really good looking movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And not in like a typical gorgeous way, but just so many of the scenes were so well put together. It was a joy to a joy to look at and to think about. I liked it a lot. I did not love it. All right. We're going to talk more about this movie after the break. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. Help Radio Milwaukee grow and we'll help you get your garden started. Donate any amount this month at RadioMilwaukee.org slash donate 
you'll be entered to win a rain barrel from MMSD and a $50 Plantland gift card. Okay, and we are back. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So The Man Who Sold His Skin. Great title. Such a great title. Uh, You know how annoyed I get at boring titles, and this one is really nails it. (laughs) I really like movies that hinge on art and artists Mm -hmm. because you really have to convince the audience that a work of art is a work of art. Yeah, like as valid and as impressive as the film is setting it up to be. That's what I disagree with. Oh, that's interesting. Well, no, that's not what I thought you were going to say, but I also disagree, so it's great. Yeah, so I don't think that... I wrote a very critic thing in my in my notebook. I um, I, I reread it, and I was like, who am I? Um, I think... <laughs> I, say, I I think that this movie underestimates its audience's humanity. I I don't think that it is convincing as a work of art because I don't think that people would enjoy this. Because the the way that they treat the man who sold his skin is so inhumane that it really detaches it from the work. For this to be a work, um the the tattoo is a tattoo of a visa and it is attached to a man and uh, then they spend this entire movie detaching that work of art from its human and uh, i feel like that is a central part of this movie that i feel like didn't really work because i understand what they were doing with the comments that they were saying about humans as commodity right. and about the you know um the the perceived worthlessness of a Syrian refugee here. Um, but I don't think that that piece of art, I think like in, in order for it to work in the way that they are saying that it works, I think it, it, it hinges on being attached to that human. Right. For those who have, haven't seen it, the gist of it is that, uh, this ref, uh, Syrian refugee meets this famous artist who uses his back as the canvas for his next piece. And he's very, very famous. He's like a Damien Hirst type who does these shocking. This is also a thing I didn't buy. Yeah. But- the, it's portrayal of the art world, I think is the world, the art world that the art world would love to be. Yeah. I mean, if you had like a famous artist who like the paparazzi are following, he like walks out of a room and there yeah. are a gaggle of reporters. He's like on the nightly news talking about how like controversial yeah. and interesting his works of art are. They open an exhibit and there's a line around the block. I yeah. was like, this just isn't how art oh, works. No, no, no. I would I, love for this to be I the art say, world, but it is not. No, it. I will say it 100% is. <laughs> Uh, now, not not in uh, our setting, not in Milwaukee, but there are artists, granted, not as many as there are movie stars, but there are artists that do garner this amount of attention. Damien Hirst is one, as a good example I just mentioned, he's the one who did a thing called Piss Christ, which was a crucifix in a jar of urine. He did the shark in a tank of formaldehyde. He does these uh, pieces that are disgusting to a lot of human beings they're intended to cause uh controversy but people do reporters do follow them there are lines around the block you can't get in unless the opening unless you're you know 
a glitterati. So there are people of this caliber out there for sure. But uh, it is a bit of a lampoon of it, I think. Um, but not much. I, it, this doesn't happen as often as you see, the, like, like I said, you know, Hollywood kind of folk doing this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But th- there are a handful who are at that level where you can't get near them. So it's really, I mean, Maybe it, it's it was just a big, world I don't see because I, I would really, I really had a hard time buying that characteristic yeah. of, or that, we definitely that don't have it here. It's not, it's ma- like maybe Chicago, but it's like, you know, London, New York, LA to a degree. Um, those are the only in like the art capitals sort of thing. So mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to see it up close, but it that definitely does happen. The eighties was a big time. Like the eighties was this art boom in America. I thought the only the only thing that has garnered this kind of attention in the past ten years has been uh, the duct tape banana. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't I, get me wrong, duct tape banana was a phenomenon. Okay. It was Banksy Banksy shredding his own piece f right after it gets sold at auction. That was like a big one that happened a year or two ago. And, and- I and I think that those things said more than this piece does. I think that this piece is trying to say so much. And I think like that's where it goes wrong as a piece of art. And I think that like those things, those like stupid, like a banana with the duct tape, I think that that says so much about the impermanence of art, about the, uh, the, like the, the salaciousness uh, of art about its own impermanence. And uh, I think that this was trying to, say something but didn't do well, you, you want to i i, I yeah. sidetracked us before you got to talk about the, yeah we want to tell people what the humanity. art is yeah the art is essentially yeah. he said he tattooed a visa on the man's back and yeah. the idea is that now that the man is technically a piece of work or harbors a piece of work he can move more freely as a piece of work than he can as a person and the idea being that you know, you're commodifying this person to in, to ensure a freedom he couldn't get as a person. And then, uh, then obviously with the fame of the artist and how the contract they have, which is essentially, I have to show up at certain number of exhibits and a certain number of events uh, in order to get what is a third of the uh, money that you get from this piece. Right. So it's a really interesting, he suddenly has a lot of money when before he was like, trying to steal food, trying to sneak food here and there. Yeah. But he, he has a level of, he has his freedom, but then he also has some of it taken away by this contract. Yes. So in, in the sense of the story, this piece works incredibly well to me. Now in the and real, in the real world, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know that you yeah. can expect a film <laughs> typically. And we've seen, we, we have other examples of this to the artwork in the film doesn't have to live up to the, the standards of the art world necessarily it just has to fit into the story. But I mean, of course there's a certain amount of legitimacy you need to make it believable. The interesting part is that I think this film surprisingly moves into the unbelievable. The more it goes in, the more you get into the film towards the end. I agree. And I yeah. loved that part. That was the part that for me elevated the movie. Like I really thought it was a very interesting story and an interesting idea, but as you move on and the artwork slash man moved deeper into this uh, art world and with, you know, people trying to buy the artwork, et cetera, it gets more and more interesting and slightly fantastic. I hear you on that. And with, I validate your feelings. 
I validate your feelings. Thank you. Um, but I, I think I, and I, the, I remember when that, when it like he truly becomes a commodity, uh, and and they commodify him even more. On paper, I understand that, but I think that it works. Uh, I think that it works against the story and against uh against this this particular piece of art. And it, I was very interested to hear that it was it is based on a real work. Yeah. Um, Wim Devalne's living work, Tim. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I like had kind of like thought I was like, this is just a thing that we wouldn't buy. This is it's inhumane, it's right. unhumanitarian. I was like, an art gallery would never buy this work <laughs> of art. I, I think like there would you would never have this person out at auction. Yeah. You know, some of it so much of it was like unbelievable. I was like, that's that's where I was like, the you know, the audience wouldn't buy into this. This is a, a tasteless work of art. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and I think that that, and then, but then in reading, I was like, okay, well it is based on a work of art. And I was like, okay, that kind of like goes against my, you know, against my thinking that this could never be real. Yeah. But then in reading that in, in reading about the work, Tim, yeah. I, I did like, there are major differences in that well, work. For sure, where, yeah. Where it's like, it is, it is very similar in concept, but the work of art on Tim's back is it's not a comment on Tim himself. No, it's more traditional. He is as proud of this piece as the artist. Right. And that is like part of what makes it work is that he he his humanity is in there. Yeah, he is not made, being held against made such a more boring story. Is it I don't know <laughs> though. I, oh. I honestly I don't know because I think that that's what makes the work of art more interesting is that here's the human that bears it is doing something has this cross to bear and is doing it and is sitting in, in a museum for six hours because he is proud of this work that's on his back. It's this work of cooperation that I think is like quietly more beautiful than having this person who is being held against his will and is like lashing out at people and is more like King Kong than uh, oh, you know stop, than like a willing stop. participant. Stop with should the King we, Kong. We're should done. we cross over That's into over. King Kong versus Godzilla? That time is over now. It's time for that. Still to thinking go to about bed. Kong. Well, but I don't. I don't deny that that's an interesting story on its own, and maybe might would make a good doc. But there's no conflict if everyone is on the same path. Like, yeah, I like it. Me too. Okay, story's over. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the tension between the artist and the man. And I love I think there's how, still conflict there because it is controversial. Well, yeah, but it's, it is it's, unusual. it's substantially less controversial than what you have in the film. And yeah. the film broaches such an interesting idea. I think the idea behind that piece is so much more interesting uh, because of how they framed it. Uh, you know, other than you think so. Yeah, I do. Because it goes back and forth. Like each scene goes back and forth between the idea of, is he more free? Oh, now he is more free, but he doesn't want to be. He'd rather be back in Syria now because he's experienced, uh, you know, like luxury, but he wants to be back home. Then the idea that they propose at the beginning changes. And then the artist starts mm -hmm. to hate him. I mean, yeah. there's such intense and varied conflict with this main idea. And then you have like a love story that's going on as well. Uh, heartbreak. And then uh, there are all the, a couple of other characters that, 
make it more interesting. They have Monica Bellucci in there, who's like probably the most uh, recognizable uh, actor in the film. And they don't, th- that's the only criticism I had of this movie is they didn't use her very well. Like she's mm-hmm. a great actress and she's been in a lot of stuff and she's, her character's slightly minor. I mean, she's in throughout, but she's not as complex as a lot of the other ones. Yeah. But going back to the story, I, I think it provides a lot of interesting thought about commodification, freedom, uh, and, all, and, all, and how it interacts with not only political situations in the world, but art in the art world as well. It's very interesting. And it did, it, because I have, ju- I don't know, whatever, seen documentaries or, or stories here and there about the art yeah. world that is so controversial and crazy. And I know there's this high, high dollar amounts attributed to to what the public has no problem. Actually, that's not true. The, because the public has a problem with it, it raises the price of those pieces. <laughs> so sure. it becomes very interesting to kind of uh, kind of riff on that as well. Would you call this a satire? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's the main point of the film because it's not all about just the art world. But I would say there's definitely a little bit of satire because, especially as, like I said, as you ramp up the fantastic element of it, which is not technically fantastical, but it gets more and more exaggerated. Uh, I think once you get into that, I think there's an element of it too. But I think overall, there's two, there's just one or two more ideas in it then would qualify it as simply a satire. I, I think I was thinking this would probably be labeled as as a satire, but I, I think it like missed the mark in being a satire at points too, because I think it was like it had some interesting points to make about human trafficking and about geopolitics. And I think that it was like I think that it was like pinning those the sins of geopolitics onto the art world. And I, I think that it was like, I think that it had the wrong target in mind there. And it was like trying to do this like lampooning and skewering of the art world when it should have talked more about, uh, you know, for for the sins of geopolitics. Yeah. I, I don't see, I don't know that that was the main goal of this movie is Penny is like it. They use the art world to point out the hypocrisy of probably a, a, a much, march, much, much larger environment. I don't. I didn't see it as a satire of the art world specifically. I thought that was a slight okay. element of it, but I think it was mostly about. I mean, like I said, there's a couple of ideas in this movie which I think is great and interesting because they get kind of mushed together. But I do think yeah. it's just about uh, the idea of freedom and the idea of commodification and using humans. Uh, it's the artist. The artist character is the most. His idea is most interesting because his goal of this his professed goal of this artwork is to point out the commodification of humans and how, you know, we don't care enough about people while he is doing exactly that, which he then acknowledges, but then also uses it. Like he just keeps right. going, hopping the fence back and forth with right. no criticism whatsoever. So that part I feel like is, is a de- definitely satire and, and the sell art, you know, the selling I, of him here and there. Yeah. I hear you on that. And I think this, I think it, I think there are a bunch of things that this did hit and do right. I think it really, I think the relationship between them was like fraught and dramatic between him and the, and the, and the, you know, his like wife. 
Um, but I think that that I think that a lot of times that really worked, and I think that this story did work a lot. I think the thing that was best about this movie is that it was so gorgeous and so beautifully shot, and and not just in like here's a. I think a lot of movies when I think of like Sweeping something is wheat. No, you are you nailed it. You took the words out of my mouth. Like so many times when like a movie has like it is thought of as beautiful, it's a beautiful field of wheat. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there was like there was a scene in this where he starts getting tattooed and the shot is a tight close up of like his throat and clavicle. And you oh, just yes. yeah. You just see him like swallow in like right. preparation for getting tattooed. And right. I was like, wow, yeah, that they, was beautiful. I absolutely noticed that scene. And there's, it kind of made me think about the rest of the movie, the shots of the human body and how they kind of cl- close in and pull back just to see the different shapes of the human body. Really, really impressive in contrast to the all also these beautifully lit shots inside the the museum there's yeah. the the room that he sits in as the art piece has all these interesting like it's dark but it has these Mirrored. bits of light and there's a moment mm-hmm. before the exhibition starts where he's just like with his shirt off you know exposing, looking around playing with the light and just kind of playing in there but yeah. it looks like a dance it looks like a choreographed dance scene almost and they slowly yeah. pan with him and the light is amazing there's a lot of touches like that throughout this film that aren't super in your face, but are really skillfully done. Chris, you know who I think the real star of this movie is? I hope it's me, but I don't think it is. That blue silk robe. <gasps> he wears this Get out blue, of my mind. He wears this blue silk robe, yeah. and there is a scene yeah. where he descends a staircase. Oh my God. I was like, oh. Just anybody in like a gown or some kind of like wavy cloth going down a staircase. Oh my God. What is it about that scene where it's like these white stairs and his robe is just fluttering perfectly, but it is a, it stands out. I mean, you and I did not discuss this and we both had the same (laughs) idea. And and my partner's watching it. She's like, oh, that's nice. Like it's really stands out. Yeah, that was well done. I don't, and. uh, uh, Oh my God. Nicole's like, I need a robe. I want a robe. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Um, that robe is even, a star. They managed to make a scene where they pop a pimple. Oh, gross. It was the grossest thing. It was gross, but it was also so well shot and beautiful. I, they like where they show they show the like what what is that? Like a uh like an eyeglass that's like looking at the back, but they show it magnifying glass yeah. they show it from like the back's point of view uh, so you see these like doctors going into this magnifying glass and like their face getting big so good so it was actually funny. Great. it was actually it was shot well and it was kind of funny actually but i put my hand up because i cannot that stuff grosses <laughs> me out and i looked back too quickly and something bad was happening and i was like oh, oh i was gonna throw up it was so disgusting and it was like a not a normal pimple like these were monster pimples on his back oh they were yeah yeah that was disgusting but i guess well done (laughs) (laughs) i i I don't want to talk about it anymore Uh, there was just there was there was also scenes where it was just blurry 
it just started blurry for a bit and then characters would like walk into focus or things was would come into focus it was there was just like so many like little artistic bits like that yeah it was beautiful a work yeah. of art a one work might of art. Uh, I, yeah. I also want to shout out the the storyline between him and uh his girlfriend yeah i think it was good it's it's interesting because that storyline is going on at the same time as the artwork stuff and they fold in together but there's so much tension created by by a few different things yeah. going on and it was it really amped like i did feel like nervous and frustrated the whole time uh but hopeful and i you know i don't want to give away too much like i said that the film amps up as you get towards the end and i loved the ending uh, cause I genuinely wasn't sure. Like it was a very, it was, it's almost a thriller at the end, like a bit of a mystery thriller for like five, 10 minutes. And I yeah. really enjoyed the ending of it. I, <laughs> this is a really impressive film and I think I'm totally get why it's nominated for an Oscar. And to be honest, I am starting to think that the best international film competition at the Oscars is probably your best bet for really impressive movies. Oh, I've always thought that. I've oh, I, the, the, I thought about it when I was oh. one years old. So okay, all right, all right. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Um, <laughs> so we, I think there there are movies that are similar to this that we want to talk about as well. One, like I also, I think there are just so many movies of, that are trying to like take down the art world and show. I, I, th- I think honestly, I'm just, I love art and I, I, there's, there is no movies that are yeah. supporting the world of art. And there are, I feel like there are only documentaries that show that nobody knows what a real work of art is. And here's like, <laughs> here's like, here are people that are doing forgeries. And then here is like people taking it down. I feel like I'm sick of that. Not but, enough um, celebrations of the art world. Not enough celebrations of the art world, honestly. Um, but there's a couple movies that we both want to talk about. I we I was like, there's a movie I want to talk about that I know that we've both seen. Let's say you... it. At, let's say it at the count of three and see if it's the same okay. one. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, one, two, three. The, the square. square. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, this movie this movie reeks of the square, but I mean, they're, they're very different in tone. I think the square is a lot, obviously, a lot more bananas and wacko in a fun way uh fun, <laughs> wacko fun. bananas <laughs> it's wacko bananas <laughs> you heard it here first you're gonna get really highbrow commentary from me yeah. uh, this movie's wacko bananas but uh, also very disturbing uh in many parts and yeah and the man who sold the skin is a bit more conventional at least in the storytelling it's not you know there's no yeah more chimpanzees. there's no chimpanzees in the, yeah, in the yeah. man who sold the skin <laughs> But yeah, I loved The Square, but The Square is a very divisive movie. We showed it as a member screening and that was we there. had some great comments about it. So Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I say the films that really celebrate the art were, well. Yeah, let's say I would love to hear some of those. I feel like it's more biopics. Like when you get a film about an artist, that's those are the okay, ones like that, what? like Basquiat or Pollock. Oh yeah, true. You know, things oh, like yeah. that. I yeah, love true. Basquiat. I, Basquiat hit, hit me at a time where I was like, I was like, I wanted to be moody, but I wasn't moody. Oh my God. <laughs> I yeah. wanted to be, and I watched that movie by myself and I left the theater like 
just completely trying to be Basquiat walking down the street. Oh, now, all me that too. means that only happened in my head. Nothing happened outwardly, yeah. but in my head, I'm like, yeah, I also look in windows and think about <laughs> think about cool stuff. And it's like I just wanted to be Basquiat so bad. Um, I yeah. feel, and I feel like those movies, like that's what I want. You know, yeah. I, I feel like I want to come out inspired by art, and like not even. Uh, the word inspired it makes me gag but yeah. you know like i i i think that art is a positive force of good in the world and yeah. i like to encourage it and i want to encourage like i like movies that encourage that feeling of of looking at the world in a different way like 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 basquiat had you and yeah. Pollock does that exit through the gift shop i think is a great movie that kind of shows how fickle the right. art world can be and how you can use your huckster <clears throat> trickster to, you know, to pull people's strings, but yeah. also how that's part of what art is. Yeah. You know, art is subjective. It is representation. It can be manipulated. That is the nature of art. And that is like what makes it interesting. That's what makes the banana with the duct tape interesting is that like, it's all inherently valueless. It's the value that we attach to it. And I, I think that, I, I, I think that, you know, I would like to see that more. Yeah, it's anytime you have a movie that is about the business of art or any like the music industry, the entertainment, the, you know, Hollywood movie making industry, mm-hmm. rarely is it a sparkling celebration because you have business and art uh, as ideas don't go together, but they do have to go together. They do. People want to make money off of the things. So it's it's never it's not a good combination for like people to do nice stuff. <laughs> See, but and I think that and I think that would be such an interesting movie or a concept. You know, it are like the people in the industry because I am in the music industry. You know, yeah. like I know so many people that work at record labels right. and heads of record labels and people that are on the business side that are encouraging artists to do their best sure. work. Yeah. And that are not like fighting against art for the sake of business, but are right. working with artists. And I think that that I think that's a, a dynamic that has not been explored in a lot of movies that I think would be uh, interesting and new. <laughs> but again, the reason those movies are made is because there's no conflict. So it, and it's unfortunate because you would like to like celebrate the things that people are nice that people are doing can't we just say nice things about nice people (laughs) can't we just all be nice all the time why does there have to be conflict in the world christopher why can't we all just get along because people find it boring and that's the sad thing though i mean when people do nice things it's like a news story it's like a like a quick five minutes that's how much we can stand of somebody doing something nice even Mm -hmm. i mean even the ruth Bader ginsburg doc i mean the bulk of course you see all the wonderful things she did, but you, they, you, there has to be a fight to get to it, Yeah, I guess. you know? And so it's interesting. I think I was laughing because I was thinking about a movie about the art world where everyone's just has the right intentions and is just trying to, <laughs> hell yeah. I genuinely think it would yes. be a comedy. I think it could be a comedy, like yeah, a maybe it high is. concept comedy where like, yes, well, you think something's about to happen and it doesn't. And that's funny because obviously it would be bad. <laughs> Justin and Christopher write a movie. We're doing it, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm man. in. That's really, that would be a, a that would be a, a, a satire. Yeah. I'm in for that. Let's do that. So, Christopher, instead of talking about what we've been watching, uh, because we're doing that for the live show, 
let's talk about um, what we've been reading because we are both readers and we all are always talking about what we're watching. But let's talk about what uh, what have you been reading lately? That's good. So I was on a really good uh, jag for a while. I was reading. Like, <laughs> He's on a jag. I was on a reading jag. I was one after another. And then I just hit a, one of those lulls where I'm like, I'm not focusing a ton on it. However, I'm yeah. reading. So which means I'm reading like three things poorly. And and once one of them like grabs me, then I'm probably going to focus on it. That, yeah. that, that's I, can't, kind of I can't do multiple books at once. I don't it's usually. It's just I, I read, you know, go back and forth until one. Yeah. I realize, oh, you're the winner. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a competition for my attention. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, Christopher. I know. So there's this book. I, I don't remember where I heard about it, but it's called Masters of Atlantis by Charles Portis. Charles Portis is probably most famous for writing uh, True Grit, which the movies were based on. Oh, okay. um, but those were uh, Westerns, and he, he I think he writes a, a variety of stuff. Masters of Atlantis was... Uh, like lauded as this great comic novel like Conan O'Brien was like a big fan of it and all these other com- comedians would pass this book around that is this one of these great comic novels so it's out of print strangely so I had a hard time tracking it down I got it one on eBay and I was like so excited because oh it's out of print but all these yeah oh love yeah it. Oh, and I, I am only mildly enjoying it Oh, don't you hate when that happens? Like, I feel I, like sometimes I don't it's like, get it. <laughs> sometimes it's like, it's like the signs are there. It's like out of print. And yeah. you're like, sometimes it's like, oh, it's out of print. It's, you know, yeah. it's not mistake. for any good reason. It's a mistake, yeah. right? Oh, People mistake. don't like appreciate or understand it. Sometimes I will do that too, where it's like, oh, it's out of print for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, and let me say, it's not a bad book. It is a good book. It's, I'm not like cracking up when I'm reading mm-hmm. it, but I do see the comic elements. It's, it's a, a bizarre scenario. Uh, but uh, I also find that when people talk about a book being a great comic novel, I don't think I laugh out loud at books as often as I do as films. Yeah. I can only think of two or three books that have made me laugh out loud while reading them. I think it's just the act of reading it. Oh yeah. So much of comedy is timing and delivery. Yeah. So that is like, that's everything. So, but I do, I am enjoying it. I'm going to finish it. Uh, but you know, it's okay. Um, well, I've also, I just started, uh, I pulled out live from New York, uh, which is the, the huge book about the history of Saturday night live, um, told by the people, um, told by all the people who've worked there. So I'm, I have this whole section of my books that's just about uh, comedians and the history of comedy. And I'm really fascinated because I grew up with Saturday Night Live and uh, I'm fascinated by it uh, as a cultural, like, like touchstone. So I'm, uh, so I'm really interested. It's a lot of the behind the scenes stories and the, the history of it. And I'm super interested to get into it. But I have that. I got some, I just recently got a book, uh, two books, by this comedy duo that I love uh, from England, Mitchell and Webb. It's David Mitchell and Robert Webb. Uh, oh yeah, Peep Show uh, was their big show, but they also had a sketch show that I think is brilliant, and they are so funny uh, just themselves. So I have both of their like sort of vague memoirs that they just wrote. So I feel like I'm ge- I'm about to get into like a comedy binge of reading. You know what I've been reading? You know what I just read. Um, 
I went to Lion's Tooth, shout out, and uh, I got the graphic novel "The Man Without Talent." Oh, it, that's, oh yeah, is that? It's by uh, Yoshiharu. Yeah, yeah, Tsugi. It's a great cover. It's great, and it reads in the Japanese. It reads back to front, right? And so it took me like honestly, like twenty pages to get the rhythm of the page down. Yeah, because it's like not only do you does it start, you have to go, you have to go right to left. You also like have yeah. to, you know, you have to like they like follow in a certain way. Right. I kept on going like like right to left, and then I go left to right yeah. on the page, you know. But it's like you have to you have to start at once, so it's. Um, you have but to it was your intuition on how to, yeah, yeah. You, you, you really do. Yeah. Um, but it was so good as far as like, you know, you and me both love graphic novels and, uh, I, he has been writing graphic novels in Japan for a long time. And this was like the first book that was translated into English in Japan. They made it into a movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's uh, a rather famous Japanese book and it's about his life struggling as an artist, but also trying to do other things. He like sells rocks for a long time and like has like tries to like have these odd jobs to like make ends meet as he is. He just like needs money. You know, he's got like got a family and it's his him like kind of like struggling to do anything um, and uh, kind of like avoiding his art because he doesn't like really believe in himself as an artist. And, you know, of course that is what he's best at, but he's kind of like rejecting that. That was so good. I'm um, interested in how you sell rocks. That's uh, yeah. I didn't know there's a lot of money in rocks. Well, th- I didn't know either. And looking into it, it was like, it is a very specific type of Japanese. Uh, it's a Japanese art form of finding a rock that I went, I went pretty deep into this. Yeah. Um, uh, finding a rock that like represents or looks like a landscape in Japan. So there'll be like ones that are kind of like cone shaped or like uh, uh, taller oh. than they are wider that will look like a waterfall landscape or there are like wider ones. Uh, and it is a, like a, an entire art form. I looked, I looked it up and there are, I mean, they go for thousands and thousands of dollars and it is, it's like a thing that, uh, you know, that a lot of, you know, Japanese people would decorate their homes with. And, uh, he would like spend all these times like in a, you know, looking in, but that was the thing. Like he didn't go far enough for these rocks or they weren't like as representative or like as good. And so he like, wasn't really great at this. Um, and he would sell them on the side of a river. You just like had a little... He had a, like a little stand, but he didn't sell many of them. So he was. Sounds like struggling. I have a second job coming up. <laughs> that that book, that book is really great. I think that you would really love that. Yeah. Um, I've also, the book that I have been reading is a little devil in America by Hanif Abdurraqib. Yeah. And Hanif is my favorite living author. Which is a big statement. statement. It is a big and bold statement. But Hanif writes about music. He he did. um, They can't kill us till they kill us. And he did a book about. Yeah. Yeah. He did a a book about a tribe called Quest too. And he's but he's a poet first. Yeah. He's in several books of poetry, 
And so his like poet instinct is brought into this book and it's called A Little Devil in America. It's colon notes in praise of black performance. And it is just as much rigorous journalism. I mean, hardcore journalism. Yeah. And he takes that and like the kind of instinct for people who do that kind of journalism is to tell something, tell a dry and plain story, but he infuses and he puts so much of his life into it in a way that I think makes sense for me and a person that reads a lot of music writing and music is so personal and so close to whoever you are. I always think it's strange that music writers detach themselves from the music and he is like, no, this music is a part of me and it it is like, it connects to me because of my identity and I am going to write about that. And so the way that he, that he had includes himself in the story and also how he has, how he, how poetic he is in the words. It is such an, a tremendous joy. And the whole time I've been, uh, every time he talks about a song, I've been making it on a playlist and adding it to a playlist. And uh, this Sunday on From the Music Desk, the show that I host, I'm going to be playing songs from this and uh, reading bits too. So I'm very good. excited for that. Yeah. That kind of reminds me, I need to, speaking of music books, I keep meaning to go back and finish uh, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Yeah. Which I read years ago after I did the that rapper series of rapper drawings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fake ass rappers. I really got into it, uh, but it's a, like a dense book. So it took me mm-hmm. some time and then I never finished it. And I, I think I maybe got halfway in. So I, I, did really, too. I just, I actually just want to start over and read the read it straight through because it's such a, it's, I looked for a comprehensive history of hip hop and that's one of the few, if only ones that I found, there was like yeah. some that had great essays and stuff, but yeah, it is. That's a really cool. Yeah. So yeah. that makes me, it makes me, reminds me, I need to go back to that. Yeah. All right. Two, Little devil we're all going to, we're all going to die before we can read all the books we want is the saddest thing is the saddest thing I know of. I'm like about to wrap it up and you stop me to let us know that we're all going to die. Yeah. You're like, well, hold that's on. A, I got something important to say. We're, I, I we're really all going to die. Our, that should be our sign off from now on. Uh, <laughs> enjoy the movies. We're all going to die. You're not going to be able to see them all. So why yeah. even try? So do what you can. <laughs> okay. Um, you can watch The Man Who Sold His Skin on Sofa Cinema. That's right. Uh, slash sofa cinema. Yeah, check that out. And uh, this has been Cinebuds. Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. What? We get handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Oh. We our theme song is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. The Newsk. Thank you to members of Milwaukee Film, like me, and also yeah. members of 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, like um, me. I'm pretty sure I'm current. <laughs> no, I am. I'm 100% sure I'm current. Okay, okay. As of uh, like four weeks ago. And uh, thank you to Associated Bank, who helps us out too. Much appreciated. And uh, there is one person that I would really like to thank. I have no idea what's about to happen. More than anybody. Really? Okay, okay. Can't wait. I'd like to thank Christopher Pollard. <gasps> you know, Stop. we don't. We don't thank him enough. Thank you, Christopher I, Pollard. Every day before I go to sleep, I mm-hmm. say, 
why can't I be thanked a little bit? Just Do why aren't I appreciated? Yeah, you know what, Christopher? Thank me. I appreciate you. Thank I thank you, Justin. You. Ooh, is that a thank you for me? It was a, oh, it was a thank you. tricked you. Uh, tricked you into thanking me. All right, bye.